Hello, and welcome to the Littlest Petcast. I'm your host, James, and today we will be looking at the episode Helicopter Dad. Now, before I begin, I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be a long episode, and I will tell you why. So, to explain how I take notes, is that I usually let a scene play out for a little bit, and then I pause and type up all the notes I can think of for that scene that just played. So, basically, I stop and start, like, every few minutes. However, this, like, means that it all adds up and it makes the viewing experience just a little bit longer usually so for this episode this nearly took me five hours to take notes for so like I imagine I will have a lot to say but I'll say it faster than if I were just taking notes because A, I don't stop, and B, I think I might talk faster than I write. So, just warning you straight out, this episode's probably going to be long. Now, with that out of the way, let's begin the episode. So, it starts off with Roger taking Blythe to school while listening to the classics from earlier, presuming to them. And then he's also jamming to them, like doing air guitar, air drums. Meanwhile, some kids pass by and kind of laugh at Roger. And Blythe is a little embarrassed. And then after Roger finishes, Blythe says that he gets more embarrassing every time, which Roger takes as a compliment. So, Blythe says she'll see Roger later, but Roger informs her that he has a commuter flight and won't be home until late. Blythe says NP for no problem, which I can't believe that that I don't... I know I get tangled on the dumbest stuff, but I just... Uh, anyway, so Blythe says, NP, I'll just catch a ride with someone who just got their license, has bad eyesight, and thinks the speed limit is for whims. Roger freaks out for a second, but Blythe says, JK, I'll catch a ride with young me. So, okay, I'm fine with JK, uh, but NP is just, I don't know, that's a bit much. Then again, I'm not an adolescent girl in 2013, so maybe they were saying NP, but anyway. So off of the JK from earlier, Roger then like calmly asserts that JK must mean judo karate, and then also asserts that he's hip with the lingo. Okay, uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, a lot of this episode is going to be quoting Roger, because he has some amazing lines in this episode.
oh boy does he have some amazing lines in this episode <laughs> so uh and then they have like a real heart to heart about how hard it is to be an only child and a single parent and like the single parent has like a demanding job like pilot and like this means they don't get to spend as much time with each other as they would like to but you know it's for the best because like he's trained as a pilot this is this is what he wants to do with his life and he seems pretty good at it even though it's not ideal in his situation but I don't know, they have a real heart-to-heart about all of this, like, before school. But they both know that this is for the best, and they'll plan on doing something, just the two of them, soon. So then, uh, Blythe is getting stuff out of her locker when she smells coffee and is confused. So she closes her locker to see Roger, who's there to surprise her. So then uh, young me, Sue, and Jasper come up and wonder why Roger's there. Young me asks specifically if Blythe is in trouble. Roger says, no one's in trouble. And while I'm here, just call me by my flight school nickname, The Raj. And then Sue deduces it's short for Roger, and young me thinks it's cute. And honestly, I kind of like this. It's it's a little weird, but it's kind of fun. So Roger then says that they're going to spend the whole day together, but then... Uh, Blythe asks about the flight, and Roger says he got someone to cover for him, but using, like, the acronym joke that I don't like, where he says G-S-T-C-F-H. And then he explains what he was doing, and then fumbles it a second time, going, like, G-T-S, and then, you know trying to figure out what he's actually saying, but it's not working. So, like, I don't know, Blythe says they just get it so he doesn't have to keep on fumbling. And then young me says, it'll be fun having Roger here. And Blythe tentatively agrees as Roger gets his hand caught in one of the rings on a three-ring binder. So then, in the nurse's office, uh, the nurse is bandaging Roger's hand, and Roger asks if she has any of those cool bandages with the kitty cats or spaceships on them. The nurse says, no, but I do have this, and she pulls out a smiley face button with the bandage, that, um, like a head bandage. And it seems like the head bandage is over the part of the button of the smiley face that 
like the blood is on on the comedian's smiley face button. I mean, that could just be me because like I have like a beat beat art of the of the Watchman smiley face thing by me often. It's actually what I rest my uh, laptop mouse on when it's uh, not in use. So it's it's quite close to me, so I have it all the time, but it still kind of looks like it. And then Roger pulls out the line, I'll tell everyone you gave me a smile. And Blythe is just a little embarrassed, but the nurse seems to have enjoyed it. And I kind of have to wonder, is she interested in Roger? Because, like, I don't know. Like, she laughs at his little jokes. She might be slightly interested in Roger. So, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, Blythe leaves, but Roger asks if the nurse could add something to Blythe's medical file, and then begins to describe how Blythe had an embarrassing rash, but Blythe stops him and rushes them to class. So, at the shop, uh, Twombly introduces everyone to Olive Shellstein, a shy tortoise who won't come out of her shell. Russell introduces the pet shop as a friendly place and everyone else tries to get her out using some kind of method. Vinny tries dancing, Pepper tries a joke, and Sunil tries to snake charm her out. Which, I mean, they're both reptiles, but there there are differences. You should know just a little better than that, Sunil. So, everyone seemed to have given up on getting Olive out of her shell. Except for Minka, who goes on a rant uh, about how not overwhelming she is. Because, like, one of the pets said that they might be overwhelming her. And then she says, and then Minka says... She's just whelming, like it's an episode of Young Justice uh, in here. So, um, anyway, back at school, Roger and Blythe are in the principal's office, and Roger is explaining, honestly, Principal Morris, when I told everyone to throw their books out the window, I didn't think they would do it. But between us adults, long division isn't that useful in the real world anyway. And then he asks for a high five from him. But the principal isn't amused. (laughs) And neither is Blythe. But he's still expecting the high five. And it's amazing. (laughs) So... They're now in the lunch line, and Blythe sees Josh Sharp, the boy she likes, get in line next to her, and she's getting all, like, goo-eyed for him, but then, uh, Josh turns to face her, 
And then she turns around blushing. But then Roger looks at Blythe and says, You look a little red. Is something wrong? He then finds out that her pupils are bigger than usual. And Blythe starts sweating. And Roger is concerned that she has a fever when she's just embarrassed in front of the guy she thinks is cute. And then Roger goes over to Josh to ask him what he thinks about Blythe's health. And Blythe is even more embarrassed and then walks off, even though Roger was just asking for a second opinion because he's concerned that his only daughter is sick. Roger then asks Josh for some napkins because, and I quote, my little lady's neck is really sweaty. And, and then, like, before we cut away, uh, Josh gives a smile, which suggests uh, he doesn't seem to mind helping Roger, even though we don't see him give napkins. So, at the shop, uh, Minka keeps bothering Olive, and Russell says that Minka should give up trying to be friends with Olive but then Minka breaks into a fantasy that references Braveheart which it's a little weird wait I don't why Braveheart of all things That's just weird to me. Like, we're not at what I think is the weirdest reference that's in season four, but this might be the weirdest reference this season. Although it does have some pretty good competition, uh, from what I remember from earlier. Or later. But why Braveheart? I don't get it. Like that's a rated R movie. Like no no kid should know like that this is Braveheart. I mean maybe they might know the story of William Wallace. And this might just be a reference to the story of William Wallace, like outside of Braveheart. But Braveheart is like the most popular retelling of the story, or at least the most well-known, I think. So in this fantasy where she's Braveheart, uh, she's giving a motivational speech about uh, making a friend uh, despite her being closed off like a fortress and we see said fortress which is locked up and everyone else comes up and Sunil is playing bagpipes which I find is amusing and like the rest of the pets are like eh, but Ming is like no we've got to make a friend and then at one point she says that 
like her, they don't know the meaning of giving up. To which Zoe says, yes, we do. Piper says, yeah, we do. And then Minnie says, I don't know, do we? And Russell says, it means quitting. Uh, Minga still tries to uh, break into the fortress by uh, using a grappling hook to get through the castle. But then she dives into the moat. And Pepper says that the moat is crocodile infested. But then Minka appears out of the water saying there are no crocodiles. But then a crocodile comes out and eats her. But then... Um, out of the Braveheart fantasy, Minka is still going to try and insists that everyone wants a friend. Which, like, putting aside different animals having different psychologies, if, like, if uh, all animals have, like, human psychology, like, this show seems to purport then probably that's probably true it's just a different level of what kind of friends she wants or how many friends she wants so Minka's kind of right but also going about it in a less than ideal way so uh, at school, during gym, they're playing volleyball, and Blythe goes for it. Roger goes for it as well, and crashes and ruins Blythe's shot. Everyone seems to be laughing at Roger, and Blythe is getting noticeably angry about this. So then Roger points out the biscuits, and the biscuits disparage Blythe, but not before trying and failing to remember the word dad so they call Roger a Blythe's care type person and they're like look who brought their care type person to school and then Roger goes up to talk to the biscuits and invites them to join but they say they have a medical excuse in which that the doctor says that their legs might fall off if they walk, run, or stand. And Roger says to that, Bummer. Before going back to get one of uh, Blythe's shots, he then proceeds to spike the ball and get tangled in the net. Meanwhile, the ball bounces, hits the light on the ceiling, which is doubly impressive considering how tall gym ceilings are. And then it hits the coach as well. And Roger says that the move is called the Baxter Bomb. And then goes to Blythe for confirmation, but Blythe says that they don't play volleyball that often. But then Roger goes for high fives, and then Sue high fives him saying, Good one, the Raj! 
And then the high five from Sue untangles him from the net and he falls to the ground. And then Young Me says, Your dad is hilarious. And Sue says, I wish my dad was this fun. So this makes me think Are they actually laughing at Roger? Or are they laughing with Roger? Because, like, it seems like they're laughing at him. But then we get dialogue like this from Young Me and Sue. And I have to wonder, like, is, is Roger just that charismatic? That all of his embarrassing dad-isms aren't that embarrassing and actually fun? Is he he succeeding at being dad-like and being cool at the same time? It's weird. (laughs) Because it's like... Do they think he's playing it up? Or are they just enjoying this pure, unbridled dad? Like, he is not ashamed of who he is. And I can see how that might be appealing in a middle school or high school or both. We'll get to that. And, like, maybe, like, Rod, like, them laughing is what Roger wants. But, at the same time, it also seems like the cliche thing of they're laughing at Roger because he's this doofy old guy. But, like, the context says otherwise. So then Roger is clinging to the coach as she drags him across the floor while saying, What do you mean I'm off the team, coach? So then the light Roger hit falls to the ground as well, luckily not hurting anyone. And then we cut to a different uh, class, which is the class that Blythe was late to in... um, the episode uh, rustle up some fun and uh, it turns out that that's some kind of English class because uh, he's asking for people to read poems and interestingly enough we saw uh, the the teacher like earlier in the episode as well because he was in the halls at the beginning And, yeah, he's asking people to read poems. Roger nervously raises his hand before Blythe says, What are you doing? Roger says, Participating. And then he, like, volunteers himself. And everyone laughs at him. I'm still confused about if they are laughing at him 
or with him because this scene suggests at him but other dialogue suggests with him and it's confusing so Roger says this poem uh, he wrote when he was 15 for a girl he was going steady with yeah, he also says that back in the day he was what you kids would call a player. And he does like the finger guns. And everyone is like laughing again. But I would be laughing too. Because there's this like 40 year old man just saying playa like he knows what it is. But he seems to know what it is. And he is confident in his convictions. And that's kind of awesome in a weird way. And I don't know. Maybe that's why everyone's laughing at Roger. And Roger seems to be fine with it. But Blythe is still just a little embarrassed. So then uh, he says the name of his poem is Lips of Fire, which is amazing. I kind of want to hear this poem. <laughs> but before he could get any of it out, the bell rings signifying that class is over. So at Blythe's locker, Blythe is complaining to Sue about how much Roger is getting on her nerves. And Sue says, I thought you were excited to spend the day with your dad. Blythe was, but it's beginning to be a bit too much. And then she says, he took notes for me in history. He did my science project. He even sang my part in chorus. And then Sue says, that doesn't sound so bad. And Blythe says, then you need to hear my dad sing. So, okay, before we go any further... I think this confirms my theory that this is a middle school, high school hybrid because they say chorus. Now, I don't know about your high schools, but my high schools, it's choir in high school. It's chorus in middle school, but choir in high school. But yet earlier in the episode, Blythe mentions that there are kids who are able to drive at the school. So I think this is a middle school, high school hybrid. And Blythe is like in middle school, probably seventh or eighth grade, which narrows down what her age might be. So there's all of that. So anyway, Roger comes out with matching berets for art class, which Blythe is embarrassed about again. And then after school, Roger and Blythe walk into Littlest Pet Shop. And then we see Mrs. Trombley smelling the new dog food. And she says that they smell like her Aunt Esther's pot roast. And then Roger asks if she always smells the new product. 
And she answers, I like to be informed. So she asks how today was. And before Blythe can answer, Roger said it was great because they spent every second together. Roger then says that you're looking at the two newest members of the school pep squad. And then he pulls out a megaphone and says, give me a B. And then he puts it in front of Blythe, who says nothing. So then Roger asks if Mrs. Twombly's day was as good as their day. But Twombly says it wasn't because her sister has a case of the vapors. And that her family gets, like, the vapors, the itch, the kink, or the quincy a lot. And that one time her cousin came down with the rising of the lights. Now, that might sound like Twombly exaggerating, but I looked into most of them. They are real uh, illnesses, but they're using names from like the 15 and 1600s. Like, the rising of the lights is like a reference to some kind of lung disease that like they would just put in like the obituary of the times saying oh this person died of the rising of the lights and that is like a strange pull like who would know that unless they like studied 15 and 1600s culture it seems weird that they would just use these names like instead of the more modern names for some of these I mean, I get Twombly is supposed to be older, but I don't think she's from, like, the 15 or 1600s. It is, it is just weird that this happens. So, uh, Mrs. Twombly says that she's gonna go, uh, give some medicine to her sisters after she closes the shop. But Blythe interjects with uh, her wanting to take over so that Twombly can leave to help uh, her sister sooner. So um, this is an attempt to like ditch Roger, but Roger stays and helps as well. So then later Blythe is stacking some uh, toys when Roger surprises her and she drops all the toys, uh, Blythe wants to go check on the pets and Roger follows, even though she wanted to do it alone. So Blythe and Roger run into Olive and Minka. Roger's reminded of his bike helmet, which we flash back to him riding a bike. And it's just like an actual tortoise. 
kind of not an actual tortoise but like it's a helmet that looks like a tortoise and it has like tortoise legs off coming off of it and it has a tortoise head with like a doofy expression and like two people are laughing at him for his helmet but he likes it and it's it's kind of amazing he decides to take a picture of it and post it to his blog so and then Blythe says that um this is Olive and that she's shy but Roger has an idea of how to coax her out Roger asks if Blythe remembers our howdy do song and then Blythe responds with probably the best thing that this could possibly be she says um from my preschool talent show and yes that is what Roger's thinking of and Roger thinks that Olive would come out of her shell for that and Blythe seems a little hesitant at first but remembers the song being fun you know maybe it could work and then Roger just starts singing it and Blythe joins in to get Olive out of her shell and this is an amazing song I will I will I will now sing it it's like a rather short song but they do it on repeat and it just goes howdy-do howdy-do I'd like to skip in a circle with you howdy-do howdy-do rainbows are nice and so are you and it's just that repeated and it's amazing okay and okay let's back up a bit here Roger has a pretty good singing voice for for this at least if if he was trying to sing at Blythe's octave in chorus then I can see why that's a problem but for this he seems to have an alright singing voice. And second, this is just a pure moment of father-daughter bonding time. Trying to get this turtle out of her, not turtle, tortoise, out of her shell. And it's just them falling back into what makes them like them and how they were at one point and that kind of joy that brings them together it is such an amazing and pure moment but the moment gets interrupted as Josh walks in on them dancing about and asks for a dog whistle Blythe gets really embarrassed and nervously says, I don't think we have those. 
And then Josh says, thanks anyway. Oh, and nice dance. So after all of that, Roger concludes that Olive really isn't that social of a tortoise. And Blythe the, like, just feels so downtrodden that, um, like, in a visual gag, it just kind of shatters into a transition to represent how she feels. So, um, and then we go to, uh, Minka dealing cards to Olive, and Pepper and Pennyling are concerned. And then Minka says that I have the old maid again. Ha <laughs> ha You seem to be on a real lucky streak. So Pepper and Penny Link confront Minka about how silly this is. Like Olive just isn't coming out of her shell. I don't know what you're doing. And even like Penny Ling, the, the kindest one, is like this is kind of weird. But then Minka gets mad at them for suggesting that and believes Olive to be her friend. She then uh, gets on top of Olive's shell and makes a speech about how Olive is her new best friend and that you all need to deal with it because she's my new best friend. And it is weird and taken like that with the rest of the pets so then we cut to like a kind of silent film-esque visual gag reel about roger in the shop so first he helps like sweep dust off the floor by putting the um uh the pan out i don't know what that's called so I'm just going to say pan. But he doesn't know what to do with the dust. So he just hides it under the carpet. But then Blythe points it out and he has to get rid of it. So then uh, next Blythe is at the register helping someone. When he pops up from under Blythe to give her like a piggyback while also packing what the customer just bought. And then coming back down. And then finally, as Blythe is stacking cans again, uh, Roger pulls out two and looks through them, which Blythe thinks is amusing until all of the cans fall over, which is just makes it more worse. She then goes to rest in the day camp and like sits next to Olive and Minka. And Minka introduces Olive to her. Minka says that she thinks it's crazy that everyone else says that she wants to be left alone. But Blythe thinks that it's good to be left alone for a while. But Minka questions this. And then Blythe explains like what's been happening all day and how this is like her first moment of reprieve. So then Minka asks, why don't you just tell him? And Blythe says that she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. But then Roger comes in and Blythe's all like, hide me. And then uh, Roger comes in and the animals are stacked up to hide Blythe. And Roger's like, hmm. 
And then Blythe sneezes and reveals herself. And Roger thinks that this is just a game of hide and seek. And Blythe starts to let this happen. But then Minka does some monkey noises, but it's interpreted that she's actually telling Blythe to tell Roger how she feels. So then Blythe says, wait, and she starts nervously telling Roger about how she feels about all of this. And Roger's like kind of trying to figure this out, but in the end Blythe just yells at him about how she wants to be left alone. And then Roger just calmly says that he understands and gives her some space. And they're both just a little sad about what just happened. So then uh, Minka is talking to Olive, but to herself. And then Zoe comes up to eat. And then Minka says that Zoe should leave because the information that they're talking about is private because they're opening up to each other. But then Zoe makes a snide remark about how only one of them is doing the talking. So then, like, in the front of the pet shop, Blythe is still, like, a bit sad from earlier and is reminiscing on, a, like, a different time that they were just hanging out and it was, like, good. And then uh, she heads to the back where Roger is, and she wants to apologize, but she doesn't know how or what to say. And Roger's still, like, moping a little from all of this. But, like, they're both, like, a little bit sad, and, like, Blaith. Blythe doesn't know how to say she's sorry, and Roger is, like, giving her the time to think about it, but, like, she just doesn't know. So then Blythe goes back to the counter, and then someone comes in, and uh, this person is Ken, who is Olive's owner, coming to pick her up. So then Roger pops out, hearing Ken's voice, and he realizes that uh, Ken is an old flight school friend known as the Ken back in flight school. So they start reminiscing and laughing about flight school, and there's apparently this one time where a guy landed on the instructor's car, which I kind of think is funny. So they're getting along so much that it kind of bothers Blythe because, like, she thinks that she created a rift between her and Roger and that they won't, like, do this kind of stuff again. And this is, like, the kind of stuff she likes doing with Roger because it's, it's fun, you know? So then... Uh, in the, in the back, Russell passes by Olive and Minka, who's wearing a bowl over herself. And then he asks why she's doing that. And then Minka says she's trying to be more tortoise-like to understand Olive better for when they do tortoise-y things, which she then montages as 
uh, them in their shells, like tandem bicycling, going to the beach and staying there overnight because no one's picking them up and they're not moving, and eating ice cream, but since they're not coming out of their shells, they just let the ice cream melt on them. And then Russell says that uh, Minka is being a good friend, but asks if Olive is, which kind of starts to plant a seed of doubt in Minka. And then Russell then questions if Olive wants to be friends with Minka, which makes Minka more confused and angry, and Minka demands an answer, but doesn't get one. So then Minka angrily dashes around Olive while making aggravated monkey noises, but then just gives up. But then we hear Olive say, and I was just starting to like you. And then Minka realizes that they're actually friends the whole time, or at least now. So, okay, this brings up an interesting point. One of my friends doesn't like My Little Pony. And one of the things they point out is like how the episode Friend Indeed is kind of counterintuitive because, like, the lesson it's supposed to teach is that, like, not all friends are the same and you can't rely on, like, being loud and aggressive, like, as a tactic to gain friends of all types he says that doesn't work because uh he like pinky gets cranky as a friend but i i still say it works because like throughout the episode she's scaling down her expectations she gets close but then something bad happens and like she scales down her expectations even more so that like she like resolves to herself that like cranky is not going to be my friend but then still demands an apology or demands to apologize rather and like then she scales that back it's not until like the end of the episode where like she asks like does this mean you'll accept my apology or whatever and then like cranky says that like they're friends of course they're friends but you know different people are different and you don't get that kind of thing through the same methods so i i think it works in that episode because pinky is actively like like scaling back her expectations and not 
assuming that Cranky is going to be her friend, like, near the end of the episode. I think my friend's complaint with the episode is more apt to this story. Kind of. Because, like, like this episode just shows that if you pester someone, they'll be friends with you. Even if they're just in their shell and not opening up. I mean, it's kind of different because, like, Cranky is actively saying, no, I don't want to be your friend. Like, with Olive, it just seems implied and Minka is not getting that. But it's still weird overall that, like, like, this works in the end through, like, just sheer determination of it needing to work. I don't I don't know. It just seems so peculiar that like like this works. So anyway, Roger and Ken are still chatting it up. And Blythe decides to go get Olive. And then Minka is acting like a cowgirl on Olive's shell. But Blythe questions this as she walks in. And Minka says it's okay. Olive loves to give shell rides. And Olive nods. So this is another thing. Like, we hear Olive speak. But we don't see her speak. Ever. She just nods or we hear her say something, but she's off screen. I don't know if it means anything. I just think it's like odd. So then uh, Minka goes on about how they wanted to spend all of their time together. And Blythe tears up at all of that and says, that's so awesome. And then she breaks down and starts crying and hides in, like, this fire hydrant slide they have. So the animals come up to her and ask what's wrong. And then Blythe says that uh, since she asked to be alone, she should be alone, even if she doesn't want to be alone. Roger and Ken then come in looking for Blythe and Olive, and Blythe points out where Olive is. And, like, they both notice that She's a little upset, and Ken gives Roger a look, and Roger gives the look, and like he knows he's gonna deal with it. So uh, Ken uh, picks up Olive and takes her home. So then Roger forces his torso into the hydrant and and like asks what's going on, and Blythe says that she's upset about being alone. But then Roger asks, like, isn't this what you wanted? But then she says she thought so, but she doesn't think so now. She apologizes for 
all yelling earlier and then explains how she feels. Then Roger accepts the apology and understands like what Blythe means and that he was just a little overbearing. And they continue talking about like why this kind of happened because their situation is tough. Because like Roger just like misses Blythe because he's just flying everywhere. And Blythe says like I, I miss you too. But we don't have to spend every second together to have fun. And, like, it's just this heartwarming moment of, like, of, like, this kind of problem that occurs in this kind of situation. And they're just talking about it. And it is just amazing and heartwarming so uh they try to leave but roger is stuck so they have to spend some more time together which blythe is fine with because like they've had this like moment and then the episode ends by them singing the howdy do song again to pass the time until roger gets unstuck from all of this. And yeah, that's how the episode ends. So, okay. I have uh, like two big things to say about this episode. First off, this is kind of how you marry like like Phineas and Ferb and My Little Pony kind of writing. Like this this A story. It's like, it's serious, down-to-earth, like a real problem that's worth discussing. But it focuses on Roger, one of the goofiest characters, who's like, whose entire character and goofiness can rival an entire show's worth of goofiness. And it's, like, those elements blending together that makes this a, a really, really good episode. Which brings me to my other point, is that, like, I think since starting this podcast, this is probably, like, the most changed I've, like, thought of an episode like because like I thought this was just like a fine episode but this is actually a really really great episode that talks about like a really specific situation that like a lot of people can relate to and even if you can't relate to it, you can still understand it. And, like, just having me talk about this has made me realize just how, like, deep and meaningful this actually is. And I like that. I like that a lot.
soon. That is it for this episode of the Littlest Podcast. Be sure to rate and review on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcast, on the Google Play app, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they are not hiding in their shell. Join me next time when we go over the episode, What's in the Batter? And until then, thank you.